Saddleback Church has ordained women, and the Southern Baptist Convention is losing their minds. Let's get into it this week on Dropping Sunday. Hey, hey, welcome to Dropping Sunday. I'm one of your hosts, Seth. And I am your other host, Andrea. If this is your first time around here, Dropping Sunday is a semi-reverent look at Christian pop culture. Just a couple of notes. We are not here to get you saved. We're also not here to tick you off. Although that second thing could happen today if Seth does what I think he's going to do. And if it does happen, we want to know. Yes, uh, this is a podcast by Christians for Christians, but you definitely don't need to believe to belong. You can join the conversation at Dropping Sunday on all the things. Andrea, how's your heart? Fantastic. Beautiful. Let's move on. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome our guest today. (laughs) Where's our canned applause? We don't. Oh, yeah. Sorry, everybody. There's a button for that and I don't have it available. There it is. Okay. Oh, wait. We should actually do the introduction first. Yeah. Um, Because today we are going to be talking about some sensitive subjects. And by sensitive subjects, I mean, it's just stuff people get ticked off about. (laughs) And you're going to be playing devil's advocate. And we're so excited. I, I mean... I feel like that's going to be my position and I don't like it already. Um, Good, me either. <laughs> because if I were to take that role, mm-hmm. the person that I'd be actually debating against is one of, one of the most established, <laughs> one of the smartest, yeah. one of the uh, you know best educated and well-spoken people that I've ever met. And uh, She's going to kick your butt. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for... <laughs> Dr. Marty Williams. I'm so excited. Hey, Dr. Marty. Hi. How are you? I am really looking forward to this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first of all, welcome back to the show. Thank you. You are our first repeat guest. I'm not going to count Julie because she's kind of part of the show. Right. That's that's a whole thing. Yeah, that's that's a a whole thing. That's a bit that we do. But Uh you're our first repeat guest. Want someone who's been on and, and, and come back. So, And she was on almost at the very beginning. Yeah, because uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. We, <laughs> talk about we it. talked about Star Wars on a Christian podcast. Do we need to talk about this again? No. We can. Because I had nothing to <laughs> I had nothing to contribute that night. So what's different? So oh, anyway. Oh, my oh. Gosh. <sighs> you know Actually, what? I'm just gonna go. I think you two can handle this. No, tonight. no, 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 no. Because I will say, um, at the amount of travel that I've done this week, I've had zero time to really prepare. Yeah. Other than uh, just watching um, IFB sermons on TikTok. Are we familiar with this uh-huh. TikTok? Well, you, I don't. I'm not on TikTok. Do, we don't do the TikTok. I don't do the okay. TikToks. Um, so here's a little treat for everyone. Go to IFB Sermons on TikTok and you will uh, love hearing the independent fundamentalist Baptist try to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> it's not good. Um, it's all I don't of- have to go to TikTok <laughs> to find that. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um Let's see, ladies, are we wearing pants tonight? You're going to hell. Um, Jesus wore pants. Hey, there's a whole thing about how Jesus wore pants. And uh, yeah, he... Just, no, he didn't. And why would it matter? Um, because men are supposed to wear pants. Didn't you know? <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, do the, we not have anything better to do? You know what? No. Oh. No. This is why the world is in the state that it's in. It's a lot of it's at least uh, one of the reasons. It's a lot of middle-aged white men telling their congregants that if they are female, it's their responsibility that the men in their life don't lust. 
Just saying, uh, you are now responsible for the sins of other people. Okay. This episode is going to be fire. Okay. (laughs) Other than that, I didn't really prepare other than just watching a bunch of those and and having a good time. But you sent me some articles. I did. You told me, open them all. Don't look at them. Don't look. And I haven't. Okay. So tell me what's going on in the world this week, because I've missed a lot. Okay. (laughs) All right. So there there are a few things, um, a couple of serious ones. And a couple of we're going to get serious later. Let's not do so serious something fun. Okay, something. Well, this is not really fun. Oh, okay. This is not a drill. Chick Fil A is running out of sauce. Have you been to Chick Fil A in a while? <laughs> um, um, no, actually, it's probably more. <laughs> yeah, probably that's more like that's that. probably more what it is. Uh, what kind of sauce? Basically, all of them. They're they're they are having some kind of shortage where they're limiting the number of sauces that they give people because they don't have enough. I guess they're short on the ingredients used to make them. And plus there's a chicken shortage and apparently Tyson and some other chicken company are fighting out like holding fight nights or something to get the chicken. I, <laughs> the I first be, rule of chicken fight club. <laughs> I may be making that part up. I'm not sure, but they are, they're duking it out because they, <laughs> they want to have the chicken. Wow. So anyway, I'm just saying if y'all go to Chick-fil-A and they don't give you enough sauce, it is not the sweet little person running the line. It's not their fault. So don't yell at them when they say my pleasure, just, Take the two packets yeah. of sauce and go and, you know, make it, so make it last. So how do you figure that? Because now you can go into the grocery store and you can buy large jars of Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah, you is can. Is that why they're running out of sauce? Well, I don't know because that is yeah, just is the sitting Chick-fil-A. on the shelf at Walmart and that's yes, why I can't get it? Maybe. Oh. But it's, it's the other sauces because I think at Walmart they don't have their entire line of sauce flavors. So... I think they just have the Chick-fil-A sauce and maybe the Polynesian. And okay. it's like the other ones, like the ho- roasted honey or honey yeah, roasted. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's in the, that's in the squirt packet. That's in the squirt packet. Mm. They're running low on those. Um, barbecue. I don't remember. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of them. Okay. Let's real talk. Let's get real serious real quick. Yeah. <clears throat> What's your go-to sauce at Chick-fil-A? Dr. Marty. Honey mustard. Ooh, just a straight up honey mustard. It's got a little bit of kick, a little bit of spice to it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now, on on all things, honey mustard, mm, buffalo sauce too. Buffalo yeah. sauce. Yeah, okay. those are my two faves. The buffalo is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Andrea, uh, I I typically do the buffalo sauce and Chick Fil A sauce. I need both together. Of them. Yes, together. not at the same time, but I need both options. Okay, both options. Mm-hmm. So you, I'm sorry, you say buffalo or barbecue? Buffalo. Buffalo and Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. It's not. A, that's listen. We're we're making solid choices. In we're life. here. We're yeah. We're, we're doing it's good. good. Yeah, we're doing good. I um I can't have any of the the breaded things because of the you know medical issues, and uh, and so it leaves me with the, the grilled. Mm, so the grilled nuggets, yeah, yeah. So really, their barbecue sauce, like their regular barbecue yeah, sauce, is good. Is really the honey roasted barbecue sauce is really good uh, for for the grilled nuggets. But if I do a sandwich, I'll go I'll go honey mustard. Let me th- mix it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let us know at Dropping Sunday, what's your favorite go-to sauce and do they still have it? Um, did you know that the people who trained Chick-fil-A on their hospitality um, was the Ritz-Carlton? Really? This is very true. I did not know did this. not know. That, and so if you go into the Ritz and you tell somebody thank you, they say... My pleasure. They sure do. They absolutely do. I, so. I don't find myself at the Ritz-Carlton a lot. Oh, so. okay. Well, 
travel with me. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm just that's kidding. a weird flex. Just okay. it, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> all it means is that I never get to see my family. Uh, Yay. Hey. Okay. Well, it turned real dark real quick. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of uh, dark turns, what else are we looking at? Well, apparently, 6% of Americans think that they could beat a grizzly bear in a fight. Um, <laughs> I saw that okay. headline today and I thought, <laughs> okay. First of all, what those six percent of Americans are insane. What a non-story! First of all, like a <laughs> small minority of people think something crazy. More than six percent of <clears throat> nope, leaving nope. it in. More than six percent of Americans, I feel, think that the Earth is flat. Can we can we look that up? Yeah. How many? There is like an entire theological movement right now where uh, where people are basing their faith on a flat Earth theory. I'm sorry. Did you say a theological movement? That's what they're trying to make it. Okay, please tell me that you know enough about this to tell everybody right now. Please smarten me up. So, I can't remember the guy's name, but he started this entire movement within Christianity, probably conservative evangelical Christianity, because that's where a lot of things start. And he is saying like all the times that in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, where it mentions the four corners of the earth, that that is biblical proof of a flat earth and that everything that we know about the earth being round has been manipulated by science and that to believe in a round earth is to choose science over the biblical material. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I mean, what did you, this is conservative Christian evangelical Christianity, what we call the, uh, the festering ground for conspiracy (laughs) theories. Um, It couldn't have been that it was like the four corners of the, like the actual like land. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking that. And also, I mean, this, the old Testament was written like 5,000 years ago mm. and it's not proof that the earth is flat. It's just, that's the only reference points they had. There's North there's South, there's East, there's West four corners. So they not only believe that the earth is flat, they also believe it's a square. Yes. <laughs> Which by the way, flat earthers don't believe. They think it's, they a, think circle. it's a circle. That's yeah, with yeah, okay. There you go. So I do not have an exact percentage. They're not I'm, just stupid. They're super stupid. Okay. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Way, way stupid. That's good. Yeah, because nothing in the Bible is ever poetic. It's everything is science textbook. Seven literal days. hundred percent. Yes. No, there's no poetry in the creation story at Mm-mm. all. Nope. None at all. There's no chiasms, right? No. Okay, so, so <laughs> let's move on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Um, let me see. What what else do we have? You sent me two more stories. Anything else that I need to dive into? Um, well, no. Okay. I don't think so. They're they're kind of serious and I don't think we want to go there because we are going to dive into a topic tonight that I think can go a, one of a few ways. Okay. I'm, Interested in seeing how this goes. All right. Well, so then tell me what the topic is. What What's happened? Because I feel like you've done a lot more research than I have. Well, I don't know that I've done a lot more research, but I have been following several Twitter threads <laughs> of people. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Of people that are losing their minds. Uh, yes. Yes, this is definitely Christian, Christian Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> definitely. Ish. Christian-ish Ish. Twitter. <laughs> they call themselves Christian. Sure. Um, so... This is something that's kind of been festering anyway. So in case you guys don't know, in case, Marty, you don't know, at my new job, I work with a lot of Baptists. And 
they are spirit-filled Baptist. I love them. They're fantastic. I don't have any issues with them. But because of that, I feel like I'm getting a little bit immersed in the Southern Baptist world. Just a, just a tiny bit, just because they talk about it. So I'm And I'm following them on Twitter, and so I'm following... I see the people that they follow and they retweet. And so I'm just seeing a lot with the Southern Baptist convention. And I'm sure you're familiar that, uh, not too long ago, a few weeks, a couple months, maybe, uh, Beth Moore made the decision and made the announcement that she is leaving Southern Baptist convention for a host of reasons, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, but one being that they, a lot of them don't accept her as a woman in ministry. And so this is a conversation that's been happening for a while. This is not new. Yeah. It's not new to the SBC. It's not new to Christian evangelicals at all. This, which I'm sure you're familiar with that. More than familiar. <laughs> and so a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church in California. Is that right? Correct. Ordained three women on a... Sunday morning and they are you have all the pop-ups I'm, I'm hearing sorry. all these by the way I'm leaving all of the the pauses Please in because don't. I want people to hear what a minefield this is to talk about <laughs> and it's what and you're you're a female I'm a talking female. about it and that's why I'm not talking well, about that's... it I'm like you guys do it <laughs> so they they ordained some women yeah for ministry. Yeah. And some people got mad. And so we decided we needed to talk about that. Well, they ordained three women into pastoral ministry. Yes. Not just any. One of their big, um, or one of the big to-dos about this is that these women are actually labeled as pastor. So there's Pastor Liz Puffer, Pastor Cynthia Petty, and Pastor Katie Edwards. So that... That is what sent ripples. Yes. And you're right. I am a graduate of Southwestern Mm -hmm. Baptist Theological Seminary, did my master's degree there uh, in biblical studies, and then went on to the PhD program there. And I am all too familiar with the culture that that says that um, we'll train you, we'll take your money, we'll take your tuition money. But once we train you, once we get your tuition money— we are not going to endorse you for any kind of substantial ministry. Right. And that I knew that going in, so it didn't surprise me. So I wasn't shocked. And I was certainly not, I did not have my my gaze set on being a pastor in a Southern Baptist church, right. even though I am ordained into pastoral ministry from a Southern Baptist church. Okay. Because one of the things that Southern Baptists have done for decades is that each individual local body ordains its own ministers mm. so that any local body of southern uh, within the southern baptist convention can determine who they will or will not ordain yeah. mm-hmm. so that's this whole thing about changing the baptist faith and message to exclude women from leadership ministry uh, that happened in 2000 i think and that was that was a real turning point, I mm-hmm. think, for the Southern Baptist Convention, and yeah. that happened so too. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we we got to talk about it. Yeah, right? I think we do. And so, I feel like typically we try not to get into into too much doctrine, too much theology. We really do try to talk pop culture, but yeah. this is one of those things where our doctrine informs how we see the culture. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, yes. and yeah. so because of that, I feel like we need to kind of d- dig into the doctrine a little bit. Now, guys, we're going to have fun. Okay. <laughs> that the, the point of this show is to have silly goose fun times. So we're going to have fun. The best way that I can think to have fun is to have me be uh, publicly eviscerated on <laughs> this particular show. So what I'm like going to do. a good time to me. <laughs> uh, well, I know, I knew Andrea was going to love it. So. <laughs> So what I what I'd like to do is uh, play a little bit of devil's advocate. But before I do, I just want to publicly state, and I'm going to do it throughout the thing, and then again at the end, um, Doctor Marty, I submit to your authority. I need to I need to say that. Okay. Okay. That like this is this, this is one of this is one of those things where uh, because it's our show, it could come. It could seem like we're steamrolling you or I'm steamrolling you, especially if I'm giving it an opposing viewpoint. I, I acknowledge you as a pastor in my fellowship and I, and I submit myself to your authority. Even when I'm leading worship, I always look to you. Am I going in the right direction? And I'm, I'm always, 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 where are we going? Marty, is this okay? Because in those moments you have the authority and leadership over me. And I say in those moments, because specifically in those moments, I think worship leaders need to understand that there's a hierarchy in every service yes. that's a little bit different. And we're going to talk about different mm-hmm. uh, different positions of, of authority and leadership and those types of things. So I just wanted to say that I love you. I love you too. <laughs> there we go. Okay, bring it on. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So. Ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> it's pretty clear that uh, that Paul completely forbids women from being in ministry. Now you go. Okay, first off, it is not clear at all. So let me, there the two passages, I call them the sticky Paul passages. Yeah. The one is in Corinthians where he says, um, women remain silent in the church. Yeah. And if you want to know anything, wait until you get home and there ask your husband. But what the people who want to use that as an indicator for women not speaking in the church, they failed to consider the chapter prior to that where Paul gives instructions on how a woman is to prophesy in the church. And the word prophesy could easily be translated preach, but however you look at prophesy, it is an oral declaration of the word of the Lord. So in this chapter, he says, this is how women are to do it. And then he follows it up. Women remain silent in the church. Either Paul is schizophrenic, and I do not believe that for a moment, or he's talking about something totally different about Mm -hmm. the women remaining silent in the church. Now, there's several theories about what's going on there. Um, I don't know which theory you want to embrace, (laughs) but I do know that that scripture is consistent And anyone who does serious exegesis, you know that one of the first rules of exegesis is to be consistent, not to pull a text out that's called eisegesis, to not eisegete, but to look at the whole thing. And if you look at the whole of what Paul is saying, he's talking about women that have ministered to him, the four daughters of Philip who prophesied and spoke to and encouraged him. And what about Priscilla? He even mentions Priscilla's name before Aquila, indicating that she had the more dominant ministry. And at the book of Romans, the last chapter of Romans, he talks about an apostle of note, and her name is Junia. 
And you can do all, all you want to with that grammatically, but it still comes out, Junia is a female name mm-hmm. and belongs to a woman. Now, the other Sticky Paul passage is in Timothy. Hold on, okay, hold on, wait, wait. I got I to gotta, I gotta just, <laughs> I mean, because we, I do like the fact that we do need to look at the total of Scripture, right? right? And so we need to make sure that the clear things inform the unclear things. Yes. So, so let's start with what's clear. Um, Adam and Eve, Adam came first, Eve came from Adam. So Adam has authority over Eve. Uh, everything in humanity, and by the way, I'm making arguments, you guys. Please don't come at me. I, I'm, I, I am arguing things I don't even necessarily believe right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just looking so at you. So <laughs> everything in humanity comes from the, the authority structure of men have authority over women. That's where it started. So are so, you saying that all men have authority over all women? I am saying that the clear thing is that what Paul when Paul is talking about, he is referring to and especially in Timothy the passage that you're about to talk about, he houses everything in first creation and then the fall. And so we need to have everything kind of be a, uh, understand the fact that uh women are evil and men are awesome. That's the argument by the way of a lot of independent it, it, it Baptists. Is. Yes. Yeah. John Calvin. Yeah. For crying out loud. He said that women were a necessary evil. That that and I I like Calvin's thinking some of it on on some things. On some things. <laughs> but he he saw women as the source of all evil and I think it was just maybe a reflection of the fact that he had some unchecked desires Mm -hmm. going on. And instead of looking into his own heart saying, I got a problem, it was easier to point at the female gender Mm -hmm. and say, there's the problem. So, but anyways, back to this whole first creation thing. So when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion, not, not him gave them dominion. And when they fell, it wasn't just Eve. It was Adam who was there with her. Mm Mm-hmm. They both fell, and so sin affected both of them. And if you look at the judgments that were brought on both of them because of sin, by the Adam will now have to work by the sweat of his brow. Um, now the ground is going to produce thorns and thistles. There's going to be pain in childbirth for Eve, and um, her desire will be toward her husband, and he will rule over her. All of those judgments affect both genders. Mm-hmm. Because they're both going to die. They're both going to have to now work by the sweat of their brow. They're both now going to have to deal with the ground that brings forth thorns and thistles. They are both going to experience pain in childbirth. The woman physically, the man um, emotionally. And if you took that passage, and for this reason, a man, um, her desire shall be toward her husband, and he shall rule over her. If you were to break that down in the Hebrew, it would literally read something like, um, and a woman will always be trying to get something from her husband that he doesn't have to give, and he will hate her for it. Mm. And that's the result of sin, because yeah. she's going to try to get something from him, a sense of self, a sense of worth, a sense of esteem. She's going to be trying to get something from him that she should only be getting from God. Mm-hmm. And it's going to create a, a barrier between the yeah. two of them and drive a wedge in between the two of them. Now, when Paul uses this whole first creation thing as oh, an argument, oh, oh, I, got, I, want to, I want to add something. Okay. I don't want to take away. I want to okay. add something because okay. I, I really do. Um, I, I, I just want to point out that it doesn't say that Eve had to go give the fruit to Adam. He was there with he her. Was there. She turned 
and gave it to Adam. He was there. He allowed it to happen. And when God showed up, he didn't ask Eve what happened. He asked Adam what happened. Because I'm just going to let you know, authority also means responsibility. Yes. And so if you want authority, that's fine. It means you also have to take responsibility, even when the fault isn't yours. I tell people this Mm -hmm. all the time. If my kid goes and grabs the keys to my truck and goes in and puts it in drive and runs it through the neighbor's house, is that my fault? No, it's not your fault. No, but it's my responsibility. And so fault and responsibility are not the same thing. So guys, if you do want to wave your authority banner because, you know, uh, women must be submissive to the man and that's fine. But it means you also need to make sure that you're also taking responsibility for her, that you're covering her and protecting her. So I just wanted to, I, sorry, I just had to step into that role. Okay, I'll go back to the adversary again. You talk okay. about Timothy. Let's see what happens. <laughs> okay. So in Timothy, Paul writes, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a man, but to learn in all submission, all, sub, all, sub, all subjection. I can't get my words out. The problem is I've got like 10,000 words that I'm trying to get out <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And it's just not working. So think about this. I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over a man. This portion of scripture comes from a part of Timothy that's called the household code. This is talking about what goes on within a private home, mm. not, not a church ministry, but a private home. And, and I know I, I'm a pastor, my husband's a medical doctor, and there, there are things that you know, there, there are lines that we just don't cross mm-hmm. within the home. I don't try to tell him how to be a doctor. He doesn't try to tell me what to preach. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not sitting him down saying, now let me teach you something here. Right. You know, and, and I don't think that even if the roles were reversed and he was the pastor and I was the doctor, that probably still wouldn't work very well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a man. There's only one word for woman in Greek, and that's gune, and it's translated for both woman and wife. But there are two words for, for man. There's anthropos um, and anar. And anthropos means man as in mankind, mm-hmm. and anar means husband. And so the word that's used there is anar, husband. I suffer not a wife to teach her husband, nor to usurp authority over him. This is a husband-wife relationship. This has nothing to do with a church leadership context. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I think that as a single one here, so I'm not speaking from a place of marriage, but I grew up in a house where I have two very strong-willed parents. No. I believe it. No. Andrea's mom and Pastor Al are both very strong-willed, believe it or not. And so I saw this... By the this, way, I don't know if you know or where. We don't say her name. We don't say my mom's <laughs> name. It's just Andrea's mom. Don't know why. And if it. you say it, I'd have to bleep it out. Like, that, it's, it's that <laughs> serious on this show. Yeah, 100%. Wow. Yeah. It's a weird That's kind of like nobody knows Penny's last name from the Big Bang Theory. Um... I was like Reeves, but no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what no. I was thinking. You know, everybody's last name but Penny's. Huh. On the Big Bang Theory. You know why? Because she's a woman. She didn't deserve her last name. Let's go. Oh, you go now. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. So I think I think what part of the issue is, is that when people hear the word submit, they think meek and quiet and passive, perhaps. 
is what what they're thinking when they when they think of a husband wife relationship and a wife submitting to their husband. That's what they that's what they picture. That's well, what they, their little hearts. I know, and so that's what they. I think that's what they want women to be in the church. First off. I don't agree with it. I'm just saying. I remember this is when my husband and I from. first got married and we, well, even before we got married and we were having these conversations, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are your expectations? Because this is who I am. Mm-hmm. If I think it, I will say it. And if I have an opinion, I will express it. And I want to be involved in everything that goes on in our household. And if you're looking for that meek, mild mannered woman who is never going to argue, who is never going to raise her voice or be compassionate about anything, you've got the wrong woman and you might need to go looking somewhere else. And this is what my husband said to me. That is not what I want. If you were to come home one day and tell me, honey, all the decisions are yours. I'm just going to stand back and let you tell me what to do. He said, that would freak me out, and I couldn't deal with that. So first off, I don't think anybody really wants no, that. I don't think so. Because either. that's not what submission is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sorry to be throwing out Greek and Hebrew all over the place. No. But, it's, uh, but, by the way, uh, this is why we had you on. This is why we had <laughs> you on. You go ahead. So the Greek word for submit is hupotasso. And hupotasso doesn't mean to become a doormat or to become inferior or to make yourself less than. Hupotasso means to give the right of way. It means to consider or be considerate of. And when God told Adam, it is not good for man to be alone, I will make an ezer kinedo for him. That's a big word, two words, actually. Ezer, which means helper, and kinedo, which means one up to, one qualified and capable mm-hmm. of. In all the Old Testament, there are only two ezer kinedos. Eve is the ezer kinedo of Adam, and God is the ezer kinedo of Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's not this this help meet is not a a role of inferiority. As a matter of fact, the role that woman plays is is quite wonderful and and not and again all this stuff, all these gender boxes that we put yeah. people in or uh, t- uh, types that we put people in. If you're a woman, feminine means that you wear ruffles and bows mm-hmm. and you know, you, you scream at the sight of blood and you don't like to drive fast and stuff like that. Or if you're a man, then you can't be sensitive and you don't cry and you're not going to want to watch Lifetime movies. How dare you point your finger at me? <laughs> I'm just saying he's cried more on this show. Are than you I have. kidding me right now? First of all, one was when I gave my testimony about Jesus Christ. And one was when I was talking about my kids. So I don't want to hear it from you. And by the way, that was a long time ago. And you I were about try- to cry right now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We are who we are mm-hmm. in the grace of Jesus. Now I'm talking. I'm not talking about gender identity. That's another conversation, maybe some other time. But <laughs> I'm talking about those those boxes that we put yeah. people in. There, there are sensitive men and there are strong leadership women, mm-hmm. and neither of them are defying who they are in view of gender. They're just being who they are, yeah. and so this this whole concept of Submission being this negative thing, submission is one of the most powerful things that we will ever do, because in uh, in Ephesians where it says women submit to your husbands, that word submit is not in verse twenty one. 
it's in verse 20, submit yourselves one to another. It starts off by us submitting ourselves to each other, yielding the right of way to each other. There are times when my husband needs to submit to me because my needs in that moment are greater Mm -hmm. than his needs. And so he has to submit to that. There are times when parents submit to their children because the needs of the of, of the child are greater than those of the parents. And so the parents submit their own desires to be able to minister to their children. So we submit one to another. And then Paul goes on in Ephesians and says, wives to your husbands. And then he's going to say, husbands to your wives. Mm-hmm. And so that, no, it's not the doormat. Right. Well, and also let's just, uh, I just want to say as, as, a, as a husband, it also says, husbands, love your wives. How? as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if you're not willing to lay down your life and literally die for your wife, I mean, literally physically die for your wife, you have no right to ask her to submit to you. Absolutely. It's because it is a, it is a, this and not, not Mm -hmm. an, or it's a yes. And not an, or, um, I do want to, Talk real quick, okay? okay? Because I I do want to just bring bring some points together, because um, the argument is that no, you are not talking about a uh, a husband wife relationship in uh, in Timothy. Correct. That that the argument is that this uh, because he's talking about uh, earlier on that they gather together and pray and 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 that type of thing that they are talking about in public um, that that women are not to teach or to have authority. Now, a couple of things that I've seen is that in this day and time to teach was to have authority. You, you couldn't teach unless you had authority. That's correct. So teaching and authority are two different, aren't two separate things. It's not like somebody who has authority than someone else who teaches. If you teach, you have authority. And if you have authority, you're a teacher. And so, it does seem like it's two separate things, but Paul is absolutely forbidding something here. We have to admit he's forbidding something. Right, but you still have to come back and ask yourself the question, and this is from Gordon Fee's um, exegetical treatise, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Okay. You have to ask yourself the question, is this forever, is what Paul, Paul is saying, even if it's the household cold code, is it forever binding? I mean, is creation forever binding? Is the fall ever binding? Because that's what he houses it in. Not that section. And he gets that section. Let's read it all together. I mean, I'm going to, right? By the way, I'm not arguing. I'm just doing the thing. Okay. Let a woman (laughs) learn quietly with all submissiveness. Yes, Lord. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became became a transgressor. Uh, Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So it is housed in creation okay. and the fall. It's housed in creation and the fall. But I think Paul is leaning on an old rabbinic argument that that this is what he has heard his entire life. I think you also have to read, and you did read it, that a woman shall be saved in childbearing. Do you really think Paul meant that? Because that's saying that if I'm going to be saved, I'm going to have to get pregnant and deliver a child, and that delivery is going to save me. And so that now means my salvation is Jesus plus something else. Well, I mean, 
listen, I'm not the one who said it. Paul's the one who said it. <laughs> right. That all scripture is God breathed and profitable. So if this is scripture, it's scripture. If it's not scripture, it's not scripture. But then we can't we can't we can't just pick and choose what's scripture and what's not scripture. I agree, but again, our exegetical rule, we must be consistent. If you're going to look at that at that passage and take it literally, then you also have to take the being saved through childbirth literally as well, which means that because I was never able to have children, I'm going to hell. I I'm not arguing it. That's what Paul's thing is. That's what I'm saying. See, I think we're I think <laughs> I think we are misunderstanding Paul. Why? Because Paul does not contradict himself. If we if we follow through his line of argument, Paul does not contradict himself. Paul is consistent. So either Paul is pulling in this old rabbinic argument, which to him it would not be old, but he's pulling this pulling in this rabbinic argument, talking about creation, which is something that you'll find in the Talmud, and you'll, you'll do, you do hear elements of the Talmud in that passage. And again, he's bringing it into the household code. So worst case scenario, Paul is saying that in the house, the woman is to, learn, is to be submissive and quiet. Could it be that she that because he's talking about the fall, that he's talking about the curse that came with the fall of the of bearing children? That that's that, that that's where that the is salvation possibility. is. Because the next thing that he starts talking about, the very next thing is what does it take to be an overseer? And so overseer is the one who has authority. It's the pastor, it's the the overseer, pastor, elder, if you would, right? All of these are kind of the same thing in the in the older church. And so is it it is what Paul's saying here is that because he said elsewhere that women can prophesy, correct? And and we're, we've we've say it other places in Scripture that women should teach. Women should teach women. Should they teach kids? That's what the Bible says. Um, but uh, but they're absolutely not allowed to be an overseer. They can't be a pastor because they don't meet the qualifications of First Timothy three. But they do meet the qualifications of Ephesians four. How so? He took captivity captive, and he gave gifts. To humanity, apostles, prophet, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Of course, but he didn't give all five of those gifts to all people. No, he did not, but they are all five governing gifts, and women are as legitimate to receive those gifts as anyone. Because he doesn't he doesn't make a distinction there. He doesn't say, and he gave men gifts. It's well, it's the well, clearly, all of mankind. Clearly, because I mean, again, women can teach; they can be prophets; they can do those things. But as far as the office of overseer, women are not allowed to do that, based on the Pauline teachings. Do you really see that? No, Marty, I don't. <laughs> Seriously, no, I don't. I'm making an argument for the sake of the show. Okay, I told you <laughs> this already. About to, you're doing it a little too. Convincingly. Convincingly. No. <laughs> so, no. Okay. Guys, guys, no. I told you. I'm making an okay. argument for the sake of the let show. Me <laughs> ask, let me ask you some questions. Yes, 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 yes. In Timothy. Ask the character. The character Timothy. I'm playing questions. In Timothy. Yes. Devil's advocate Seth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Paul's audience? Uh, Timothy. <laughs> it's a man. Yeah. And the majority of the leadership in that culture is going to be male. Yeah. And when he says husband of one wife, it could also be a wife with one husband. And I think it could be I think it could be used both ways. 
I, I, I honest, I mean, like, okay, non-character Seth, real Seth in the Greek. I do think that it is, uh, it is actually spouse of one spouse. Like I, I, because when it says wife, it, I think it's a translation issue, but it's someone with one spouse. I, right. I, I do agree with that. And, go ahead. And it does go back to Gordon Fee's argument of cultural relevance versus binding forever truth. Mm-hmm. Because there are some things like in Corinthians where Paul says it's not good for a woman to wear braided hair. Well, obviously, no one follows that anymore. Princess Leia has braids. Right. And it's good, and we celebrate that. <laughs> we try to recreate it. Yeah. but We can't. But, but we culturally, try. when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, prostitution was a serious problem. And one of the ways that prostitutes identified themselves was with braided hair. So that is a culturally relevant statement. And so we, we really do have to ask yeah. ourselves the difference between the eternal binding truth and cultural relevance. Um, if you're ever interested in a in a fun study, uh, study uh, the church in in Corinth. It was churches gone wild, is what mm-hmm. it was. It yeah. was like it was full on like, hey, um, Paul, real quick, um, can I marry my mom? <laughs> No, nope. no, 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 you cannot, no, as a matter cannot. of fact. No, oh, no but, oh, but real should, quick, like, she's cool, though. Do that. Like she, But she's cool. No, 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 you can't. I do think that's funny when people try to use that as an argument, that the that people who, in the Bible and in this time, didn't understand society today. I'm like, they had all of these issues that we are currently dealing with, homosexuality, uh, bisexualness, uh, gender issues—all of those things existed. Yes, in Corinth, no. Corinth. Well, basically, <laughs> but it, they did. They these did. are these are not these are not issues that weren't there. There were homosexual men. It was very commonplace in yes. Rome and in that culture. So, I, I do want to. There are a lot of people precious good people mm-hmm. in the Southern Baptist Convention and they're hurting right now yeah. because they see they see their denomination um, that has defined who they are and has been a family for them. They see that denomination literally coming apart at the seams. Mm-hmm. And while it's easy to throw darts um, at different people for doing different things, over half of the Southern Baptist Convention is female. Mm-hmm. And I have sisters in Christ who are called and anointed and gifted by God, and they are now having to make a decision of whether they should stay in their denomination and stay in an oppressed environment or whether they should leave their denomination and yeah. not really know where to go next or what to do. And I, I have to honestly say that the Southern Baptist Convention has been one of the most powerful denominations in this country. Nobody does discipleship better. No, no one does missions and education, mm-hmm. theological education, any better than the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, they have owned Sunday school for the last yes. 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and, all the curriculum. <laughs> and now this has come up, and things, some really awful things are being said like um, Al Mohler, who is mm-hmm. up to be the next SBC president, a possible SBC president, he is saying things like, or because Rick Warren has ordained these three ladies and calls them pastor, 
that this is liberalism and liberalism is destroying the church. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I have to By look the at, way, I don't disagree with the phrase liberalism is destroying the church. I oh, do I dis- don't either. I do disagree with the fact that this is not that, liberalism. Yeah, this is not liberalism. <laughs> no, no, this is this isn't feminism. Right. But again, a part of the problem has been with women in ministry, it's been hijacked. Mm-hmm. The, the whole yes. movement of women in ministry has been hijacked. So to agree with women in ministry in positions of leadership um, with the title of pastor, that has been so now linked with the, the gay issues. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and so now when you want to talk about women leaders, women in ministry, and it's also, well, here, here, are, the homo- here are the homosexuals, mm-hmm. and they're wanting to be ordained and called pastor. And if women can do it, then they can do it kind of thing. And so now this has all been grouped and lumped together. Yeah. And these are two totally separate issues. Yes. Being a woman is not a sin. Right. So one of the arguments that I'm seeing is that Jesus was an advocate for women. He lifted them up. He uh, raised them up in their ministry. Yes. When he was here on earth. He did, yes. he did not push them to the side. You know, and we talk a lot about the scripture where Jesus said, let the, let the little children come to me. But there were times in scripture where Jesus did that for women, where he yes. showed preference to women yes. in that moment. Yes. So he did not think less of women. He did not think that they were inferior in any way. And he didn't treat them that way. One of the most poignant, and I'm working on a sermon on this right now. It's kind of brewing. But when the woman with the issue of blood comes up to Jesus, he's on his way um, to Jairus's house. Mm-hmm. And because Jairus's daughter is sick. So Jairus, when Jairus comes to Jesus, Jairus comes to Jesus face to face Mm -hmm. and tells him, this is what I want, because he is what we would call, he is the middle-aged white man in the group. He is the man of privilege. (laughs) (laughs) But this little woman with an issue of blood, he's Mm -hmm. been having to yell, unclean, unclean. She's where she's not supposed to be, because if those guys figure out that she's there and she's unclean and now they're all going to have to go to the priest and show themselves, you know, to be clean and cleared to go to the party, they're going to hate her. They're going to want to kill her. This little woman's not coming to Jesus face to face. She's coming from behind. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there are women who feel like that in order to get to Jesus, they've got to come up from behind because they can't be upfront about mm-hmm. who they are and what's going right. on in their life. This little woman touches the hem of his garment and virtue flows from him to her. And Jesus perceives that that virtue has flown out of him. And he has, he stops everything and he says, who touched me? And his disciples think he's gone nuts because they're like, you know, hundreds of people are touching you. Everyone's touching you. What do you mean who touched me? Mm -hmm. And he said, someone has touched me and virtue has flowed out of me to them. And then he doesn't see, he could have let that little woman get her healing and go and stay invisible. But this is what Jesus does. He turns around and he identifies her. Mm -hmm. Guys, that is the most liberating thing you could ever imagine that Jesus did. Here's Jairus, the middle-aged white man, power, position, influence, preferential treatment. There's Jairus. And Jesus turns his back to Jairus and turns his face to this little unnamed Mm -hmm. woman and identifies her and calls her a daughter of Abraham. 
And he lifts her up at that point. Mm -hmm. She's no longer the woman with the issue of blood. Now she is the daughter of Abraham and she is healed and set free. Oh, that's good. Yes. That is good. Yes. I'm excited about that message. I know. So, but G- is she allowed to preach now? <laughs> you bet she is. Because Jesus always tells, go and tell. Go, yeah. and tell. go and tell. And at the resurrection, folks, if there's ever any question about the commissioning of women to preach, Jesus tells that little yes. woman, go and tell. And the mm-hmm. woman at the well He says to her, go and tell. What is preaching? What is evangelism? What is pastoral ministry if it is not going and telling? Okay. Can I step back into character, Seth, for a second? Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Um, Both of you sighed. (laughs) Character Seth is really annoying. (laughs) You say regular Seth is really annoying, so I don't know. Um, So... Okay, they have permission and even the commission and the, um, yeah, commission the, the, to go and preach. Does that give them permission to then also be in leadership and authority? Absolutely. How so? Because Ephesians she, because, chapter four, well, he gave gifts unto mankind, but, but, <laughs> apostle, but, prophet, pastor, <laughs> teacher. But, but even the women that saw Jesus at the grave, like at, at, at the tomb, they weren't the leaders of the church. Peter was the leader of the church. How do you know they weren't leaders of the church? I didn't say they weren't leaders. I said the leader. I'm talking about head covering spiritual authority over a body. How do you know? Because how do you know that they weren't? If they were, they would have been. I mean, how do you know that they weren't the leader of their area? Like, right. Or the leader of their home church. So I saw an Episcopal, an Episcopal priest, um, trying to, get this passage unsticky. And so this was his argument, okay, is that um, the Bible clearly says that women can preach, they can teach, they can do all of those things. But here what we see in Timothy is that preaching and authority go together. And so they, while, while women can be pastors, they can even hold the title of modern day pastor. The spiritual covering of the apostolic pastor doesn't fall on women, it falls on men, because men are supposed to be the spiritual covering over women. That's that's the argument. Okay, I remember. So, by the way, what that means is, is that local bodies, a woman could be a pastor of, but as far as their covering, they need to have a male covering, whether that's in a denomination, whether that is, you know, whatever else. If it is a local body and uh, the, that there's a senior pastor or a, you know, some sort of pastor that is a male, then any female pastor that's underneath there, free game. I can't argue this from experience okay. because my, I, am, I am a pastor, but I have a senior pastor whose authority I submit to, and he just happens to be a man. But I, I do know this, my spiritual covering is Jesus. And when a man does for me what Jesus has done for me, then he can call himself my spiritual covering. I submit to my pastor respect and authority. That is the plan of God. That is that is the hierarchy of the church. But for a, for a woman to always feel like she needs to have a man over her as a spiritual covering— I, I'm the spiritual covering for several ministries. I'm not a man, mm-hmm. but, but my pastor just happens to be 
a man. So I am under his spiritual authority, his spiritual covering. I I think that the mistake that we're making in all of these conversations is that we're looking at focusing on the horizontal submission to authority. Mm, that's Husbands good. to wives, pastors to to um, church members. Podrishners. To, to parishioners. <laughs> Podcast host to podrishioners. When, when, <laughs> yeah, right. When, when we look at just the horizontal submission, mm-hmm. it will always be a problem. Yeah. Always. Yeah. But when we start getting the submission vertically, I am under the covering of the Lord Jesus. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that flowed down Aaron's beard. It's like the dew that comes down from Hermon. It's it's a flowing of up to down. We're trying we're trying so hard to focus on the horizontal submission, mm. and we're missing the most important thing, which is the vertical submission. Vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's easier for me to fight about who's in, who's on first yeah. than it is for me to submit to the authority of the kingdom of God. Yeah. yeah. 100% agree with you, because I think that I had this conversation a couple of years ago with someone. Um, there was a situation that was happening we are all aware. Okay, I'm just going to say it and you can edit as we yeah, need to. Yeah, absolutely. So when... I remember having this conversation, and I don't even remember who I was talking to, but we talked about what freedom there is in submission. Yes. And that people people miss that. They think... So I think a lot, in my opinion looking at the situation that's that is going on in the world in the SBC and it doesn't happen we're talking about the SBC because that's where the action is right now right but you know we're mostly assemblies of god or you know charismatic here in this room it's not unheard of in assemblies of god there are Truth. assemblies of god churches who don't think women should be in charge there are other denominations but i think the part of the issue is that people are misusing and misunderstanding the word submit and yes. submission. And if they understood the freedom that came with submission, because like you said, for husbands and wives, husbands who want their wives to submit to them, that means they have to take the responsibility. The freedom that comes when I submit to an authority above me means that I have freedom Yes, because my Authority is taking the responsibility, whoever that might be. A person who tries to embrace authority, but they're submitted to no one, is dangerous. Yes. Because the greater the submission, the greater the authority. The person that is submitted the most to the Lord Jesus will be able to receive authority from the Lord Jesus in greater quantity mm-hmm. and submitting to the authority that God has placed over them. My pastor, Dan Smith, submitted to his authority. I have the greatest freedom mm-hmm. doing that because 
that means that whatever I, it's like I'm a kid in a candy store. And then he has to pay the bill at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Does right. he listen to this? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> he doesn't even, first of all, I don't know that he knows we exist. He walked in on us recording. Okay. When we recorded at the church at the very beginning, he walked in on us recording a podcast. And still doesn't know and this thing And still has exists. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Does he know what a podcast is? I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a big question. <laughs> but in spite of all that, he's a great pastor. Oh, yeah. He yes. is. Yeah. So kid in a candy store and somebody else pays the bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean I'm irresponsible with the authority and the freedom that I've been given. I'm, you know, I do my best to be very responsible. But at the end of the day, when when the attacks come, he's the one mm-hmm. yeah. that gets that. And and I would say the same with my husband and I. That right. you know, honestly, we flow in the grace of life together. Yeah. You know, we, we're kind of <laughs> we're kind of in this thing together. And anybody who's been married for any period of time. You, you figure out, my husband's great with finances, so I completely submit and defer to the grace of God that's been given to him to work through and to deal with their finances. I'm really good with our social calendar. So he completely, if, if we're going to do something on the social calendar, that's my job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, what's he good at? What am I good at? And and let's play to each other's strengths instead of playing this stupid who's on first game. Exactly. Yeah. That. So, okay. I want to, I, I got things to say. I'm, I've been holding it in. And by the way, I've been holding it in a long time. You should be proud of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I want, first of all, in a marriage, the Bible does say that the, the man is the spiritual covering for, for the family. Okay. Okay. I want to say that men, you are leading your family, whether you're leading them in the right way or the wrong way, you're leading your family. That's the truth. But that doesn't mean that the wife never takes the reins because I will say personally in my life, there was, there was a season when I could not be an effective leader for my family unit and Julie stepped up to the plate Yes, and she kept everything going until I could step back into the role that God needed me to be in because he was working on me with some other things. And he allowed grace in that time for that to happen. I Ju, Julie's an eight. So that means that she's not prone to submit to anybody or anything at any time. But in our marriage, she submits all the time. And, and it doesn't seem that way, but it's not because she bosses me around or I boss her around. It's because we love each other and we want good for each other. Right. And so growing together means that there are times whenever I have to say, Hey, the spotlight needs to not be on Seth. And that's a hard thing for Seth to do. (laughs) Right. And so spotlight on Julie, what, what does Julie need to do? How can she step it? How can she step forward? What needs to happen there? And that's me submitting to her because she also has a God given calling gift ability that she needs to function in. And if it's always me, then it never works. Right. So men, you have to realize that we are to submit to one another at the end of the day, God's going to ask you, how's it going? Mm -hmm. So you still get to take responsibility, but it does offer your spouse an opportunity to have that freedom 
to work underneath you, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's there's one thing you talked about how women are getting confused with uh, homosexuality in the church. So I right. want to address that. There's a whole website, churchclarity.org, where you can go and find out if your church is quote unquote clear. Uh, and what they're looking for is is a church affirming of women leadership, and that means is there an actual woman on paid staff with the title of pastor, and are are they uh, queer affirming? So is there a queer person on staff with the title of pastor? That's what what they look for. Um, so churches like, and they'll send out like kind of like not quite threatening, but just kind of letters like, hey. Just so you know, we're monitoring you now. Well, cool. Good, good for you. Y'all have fun with that because you guys have nothing better to do. That's cool. <laughs> but, you know, I, I also understand that there are queer people that want to go someplace where they're not going to be challenged in their sin. And so y'all find a queer church to go to. That's completely fine. Um, there, there are women that want to know that they are free to be part of leadership and they want to go someplace. And so, so that exists as well. And so I just, I mean, that it, it does get confused that this website talks about both of these things when they're honestly completely separate issues. Separate, different. Completely separate issues. One is a sin issue. The yeah. other one is not. That one, one's a gender issue. Right. And yeah, then, then there's whole, you know, are we binary genders? We're not getting into all that. You know, okay. One last thing about submission. Yes. Miroslav Wolf, who is a fantastic theologian, um, he said that a hierarchy is only present where love is not perfected, mm. that when love is perfected, there's no need for a hierarchy. And I think that what we're seeing in this big battle over can women be called pastors and be in that role or not, what we're seeing, this fight for hierarchy is nothing more than just evidence that our love is not perfected. Mm. Yeah. That is so true. Two more things. One is um, whatever body that you belong to, you are to submit to the pastor of that body. Okay, if God hasn't called you to be a part of a body where this where the senior pastor is uh, is a female, that's that's fine. That's fine. But if the senior pastor has labeled someone and given someone the office of pastor in their church. You must submit to that. And for you to fight against that, you are rebelling against your pastor. The spirit of rebellion is in you. Mm -hmm. You may think that you're standing up for godliness, but God is not pleased with you getting up and walking out of a sermon just because a woman is preaching. I want to rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus (laughs) and in love that you have a spirit of rebellion and you need to repent. I'm sorry. I had to get that off my chest. Don't be sorry. If God can speak through Balaam's donkey. <laughs> yeah, listen, he's spoken through this ass a bunch of times. Um, well, and this week in in my office at work, and, and this is one of the reasons that I think we wanted to talk about it, and I think it's good for us to, to, to put this out here, to tackle this subject, because two things. Um, I read a tweet this week from a, a woman who has written a lot of books. And she's she's shared on Twitter that she doesn't understand this theologically. She said, I've gotten a lot of sermon clips sent to her where pastors who believe in the complementarian theology are reading passages of her books, but they would never allow her to be in their pulpit. And she was, you know, she was just saying, I don't I don't understand that. And so I was thinking how much 
does the church miss out on? Because they don't allow a woman who has an understanding that that a, a man may not have. A woman has a perspective of ministry or of a of a passage of scripture or a message. Because Marty, there have been I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say hundreds or maybe thousands of times that you have shared something from a perspective that there's not another man on staff at Bethesda that would understand that, that would have would have gotten that same insight, that and, same revelation. And by the way, not because of your gender. No. But because of education, because of experience, just because of life. Yes. That you're like, oh, here's something. Also because of anointing and gifting. And like because and God gave it to you. Yeah. God spoke it to you. And so for a for any church or any man to say, I'm not gonna allow a woman to preach, you're missing out yeah. on so much. Okay, I'm, talk, I'm sorry. I got to jump on this one as well. Uh, and we've talked about this. I don't know if we talked about this on the show, so I apologize because <laughs> I don't know what I'm revealing or not. Um, the whole thing of like women can teach women. Um, <clears throat> can can our women's conferences uh, and our men's conferences not be just about being a woman? Um, can our women's conferences not be how to be a good mom? Can our men's conferences not be how to not be a bad husband? Can you tell me how to actually do something? Like I want to be better in business. Maybe our men's conference can be like focused on how, how do you grow your wealth in your family by doing well at work? I don't, men's conferences always turn into, are you looking at porn? Uh, listen, it's not something. It's true. It's so it's, true. Can, it's true. Can you not, don't be a bad husband. Okay. I'm not a bad husband. I could be better. I'm not perfect, but I'm a good dad. I show up, I work hard, I provide for my family, I love my family, my family loves me, I feel like we get along okay. Um, There's something else Can maybe we talk about can... something else? Because <laughs> <clears throat> definitely take, hey, future Seth, don't let this in the show. I'm tired of people who have had... Ooh. And I get feedback from from females where it's like, Women's conferences are like, you're a princess. Here, everything is pink and fluffy. And and then you have other women that's like, cool, how do I be a boss? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh. Right? Like, like I like, can write can, the book. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Like, can can we can we focus on growing beyond just one aspect? Mm-hmm. Can can we do more than that? Because I feel like we're limiting uh not only uh the gifts and talents and abilities of people, but also of what God wants to actually impart into other people. Right. Yeah. I feel so. the same way about, mm-hmm. I don't even go to women's conferences unless I have to, because it's, it's the same old testimony yeah. kind of thing. And everything is pink and fluffy and yeah. let's eat chocolate. And I, I come away going, where's the beef? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, as a, as a 30 something single woman, I don't need to go to a conference to teach me how to be a good mom right now because I'm not a mom and I may never be a mom. I may never be a wife. So let's talk about what does my life need to look like if that never happens? Or what every woman needs to know about finances. Yeah. For crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Or, or any, or how to preach. Yes. Or how to share the gospel with my coworkers or my neighbors or, how to, I mean, any number of things. Well, I'm just saying you can't, 
encourage women to be a Proverbs 31 woman and then tell them to be quiet because that's not what Proverbs 31 tells no. you. So I'm just, I'm just saying there's a bit of a challenge oh, here. Oh, the Proverbs 31 woman, mm. she's an Ashet Ha'el, and that means woman of valor. Yeah. The only time that word valor is used is in reference to a warrior. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, she is a woman warrior. And like, like that, that princess warrior, that's the Proverbs 31 woman. That's the kind of princess I want to be. Me too. <laughs> I, I love that. Those little sayings that pop up on Facebook all the time that, um, you know, they have a cute little life sayings on them. Mm-hmm. One of them that I really loved it said, I'm not going to teach my daughter to wait for a guy to come and save her. I'm going to teach her to pick up the sword and use it herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah. So um, I may, I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, but I was in the truck one time and uh it was a beautiful day and the kids were in the back seat and they said, daddy, will you roll down the windows? And cause it was on the child lock cause I don't trust them. And so I rolled down Jonathan's all the way and I rolled down Jillian's about 70%. And Jill goes, will you roll mine down the rest of the way? And I said, listen, darling, you're a girl. You only get 70% of what guys get. You just got to get used to it. And she got out of her, we were parked. She got out of her seatbelt climbed over me and pushed it down, put, pushed the window down. She goes, then I'll just do it myself then. And I bought her ice cream for that because <laughs> I was trying to teach her a lesson. And in doing so, she immediately got it and said, well, then I just got to take control of myself. Yes. Love. Yes. Love it. Yes. A hundred percent. No victims. No, that's right. No well, victims. and that's what, that brings me to my, my last thing yeah. that I want to, that I want to say. Um, and you kind of touched on it because you were talking about how your heart breaks for your friends in the SBC that are dealing with this. And I, I agree, but my heart hurts for women who are watching this play out right yes. now. And perhaps they're young, perhaps they're, maybe they're not young, but they're feeling a call from God to go into ministry. And right now the enemy is trying to destroy Yes. That call that they have on their life. He is trying to break that anointing. He is trying to come in and bring uh, fear and confusion and doubt because they're watching this play out and they're saying, these men that I have admired or that I have looked up to, that I have listened to, are telling me that I'm not good enough because I'm a woman. Yes. And I don't know that if any of them are going to hear me, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the truth. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And you are worthy and you are valuable. And what you have to say and the ministry that you have needs to be in the world today. Absolutely. And so that's, that's what my, my heart hurts for that. That is the that is the driving reason why I keep talking about what the Bible says about women in ministry. There are there are young women that um, all their lives they've heard that you can be a president, you can be the vice president, you can run this company, you can run that company, but you cannot speak in the church. Mm-hmm. And it causes their heart to turn away from the things of God because it's like, well, if God doesn't love me enough to let me do what I'm called to do, then why should I stay? And I'm all about consistency. Why is it okay for women to send all of their money, all of their 
economic means into a church, but yet they can they can economically sustain that church, but they cannot be a part of the leadership of that church. There, there's something so mm-hmm. inherent inher- inherently wrong <laughs> with that yeah. to start with. And the the Southern Baptists are also notorious for sending women to the mission field to do on the mission field what they're not allowed to do in the U.S. Without a covering. Without a covering. They are the covering there. So either they're saying that people outside of America are less human than people in America, which I hope that's not what they're saying. Wow. Or they're saying that there's something so super special mm-hmm. about the people in America that it doesn't matter what happens outside of America, which that comes back to some of the racism conversations that we need to have because this whole gender issue is so close to racism yes. as as well. And it's hard to separate those two. Well, and as another thing that SBC is struggling with right now is CRT critical race theory and its place in the church. And it it's yes. another hot button issue right now for them. Yeah. So Al, Al Mohler even said in um, his quote from the Washington post he said that something to the effect of women are ordained today. The next thing they're going to want to do is bring in social justice issues. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You mean, you mean like Jesus? Like, Cause Je- Jesus was a bit of a social justice warrior. I'm just saying I'm, social <laughs> justice issues should already be in the church. The church ought to be spearheading yes. be social justice front. issues. We, yes. we should be defining the conversation. Israel, not trying to get caught up. Israel yeah. went into Babylonian captivity because they ignored social justice issues. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm really done. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to play for uh, a song for you guys, if that's okay. All the men and some for the ladies tonight. If you get saved, I believe you ought to get in the light tonight or make a change in your life, amen? So this one's for the fellas now. I won't wear earrings, nose rings, nor pearls. I won't have long hair like all the girls. I'll pull my pants up my underwear. I'll hide, cause praise the Lord, I All right, how are we doing, everybody? <laughs> when you sent that to me the other day, the women sitting in the choir loft behind him. Oh, yeah. If looks could kill, he would be a pile of ashes. That was a Cody Zorn, Z-O-R-N. Feel free to reach out to him. Also, file uh, fo- follow IFB Sermon Clips on TikTok. It's a lot of fun. You'll get, uh, you'll get little gems along the way, like... Uh, Oh, here's Jesus wore pants. No, he wore a robe. The only time that it talks about Jesus wearing a robe is where they put a robe on him and they mocked him. And so in no, he's got nowhere three does it say that he wore this long flowing dress robe thing. Okay. And, you know, he, he may put on a coat or something like that, but I'm wearing a coat right now. Does that mean I'm not wearing pants? And if I wore a trench coat right now and that was it, you'd probably be all running for the door. 
Yeah. Imagine someone walking yeah, that, around the block. Listen, I'd be running for the door anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, in that church, I'd be running for the door. There's a reason that you're in a storefront with four people in there. Okay, so, um, hey, how you doing? Are they doing good? We good? Can we check out the bee? Yes. Okay. Let's please. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! DC Talks Kevin Max comes out as a spiritual but not religious freak. <laughs> Um, did you see this that uh, yeah. that Kevin Max actually uh, was like within the last day or two mm-hmm. uh, of of us recording this reveals that uh, he calls himself an evangelical on Twitter, and um, you know we've had conversations about evangelicals here. Yes, people are like, so Kevin Max doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. He's like, no, 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 no. that's not what I said. I'm mm-hmm. saying I've deconstructed that evangelical faith. I still believe in the global Jesus. Or I think somebody says, yeah, glo- yeah something, something like, like something that. along those lines. Um, and then he promotes his new band, uh, <laughs> Sad Astronauts. Um, he uh, th- here's the lyrics for his new for one of his new songs. It's OK. This is not out anywhere. I could not find it. OK, but there's the lyrics for his songs. It's OK to be estranged from everything you were taught. And it's OK to unpack all the hopeless baggage that you bought. I know the sun, it never shines in the same place twice. And I know that life is better with a trusted vice, but you will change when you cave to the universal Christ. So I don't know if he's kind of, in, kind of uh, enveloping that universalism. Yeah. Uh, yeah so probably. He, yeah. I think, I think that's what a lot of ex-evangelicals that deconstruct tend to do. Yeah is is embrace that universalism and that that ideology well because when we pump the church full of hypocrisy people it's it, it just it's a bad taste in your mouth mm-hmm. and so you have people who go wait wait wait, wait. <clears throat> women can't be pastors they can do everything else in the world but th- this just this double standard is just not there that that hurts me and I still love Jesus, but I can't endorse that. And so you have people walking away from good, sound doctrine because people put in their own prejudices and their own vices and everything else like that in with it. And so then you have, um, you know, a, a spiritual but not really religious freak. <laughs> what will people think when they hear that I'm a spiritual but not religious freak? Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be a hard. That's, it's that's it's a, a hard, mouthful. Hard it's a mouthful to, for sure. Hard thing to sing. So. This whole thing of the universal Christ. This is coming out of some of the big Ivy League seminaries in this country. And what they're basing it on is the passage in Hebrews where it says, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here here is their their caveat. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is dealing with, with people to come to faith in time, then he will also be dealing with them to come to faith in eternity. So at the end, we're all going to be saved. Mm. Hmm. I know it's not it's not biblical. No. So it's it's taking pieces of scripture. It's taking the un, unclear things and leaving them like making up our own thing rather than informing them by the clear things. Mm-hmm. We got to make. Let the clear things be clear. Yeah, it's. I think yeah. the whole thing revolves around the idea of how can I feel good religiously and not give up my sin? Mm-hmm. How how can I keep living the way that I live and 
still have some kind of salve for my soul. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the spirituality that doesn't have Christ. Mm. Yeah, Marty, we need there's a whole movement right now of post-evangelicalism that you and I need to have a conversation about. I'd like to know your thoughts on this, but I don't know that we have time for it today. <laughs> I think that's a no. All right, Andrea. First of all, I just want to say uh, before we get into our not for me's that I I have uh, been blessed and uplifted by this episode. Um, I I love first of all debate and all that other stuff. Um, yeah, and and this has been a heavy doctrinal episode. Uh, thank you for indulging, and I apologize that you thought I was being real Seth for for that time guys there was there was a little bit of fire in the room it was all right <laughs> you were <laughs> let's just say it got a little warm in yeah, here Marty warm. Marty's heart rate got a little high but uh and but, he started sweating he I think you well, scared him first of all and backed away <laughs> it's, yeah I was like no what um but I just want to say again, like uh, there have been multiple times. I don't want to say this publicly and we're keeping it in the show. There have been so many times when you have personally ministered to me, not just one-on-one, but from the pulpit where you have said something and, and, and affected me. Um, I have watched you work prophetically and minister to people um, in the moment. And you have, uh, I have always found, and worship leaders that that may hear this just understand, you need to submit to the leadership of the room. Yes, there have been times when I have uh, I have had a prophetic word to give, and I will go over and say to to our worship pastor, "I have a prophetic word to give," and, and he'll look at me and go, "Now's not the time." Okay, got it. I, I won't do it. There have been times you have to submit to the authority in the room. There there was a, a prayer service where um, our senior pastor, who normally runs the service, was gone. The next person in line was the worship pastor. I said, I've got something. He said, go. I did it. The senior pastor came in, and I immediately backed off. And and the pastor gave me a head nod. Okay, then we can keep going. And And this, I mean, you have to understand that especially if you are going to work in that kind of ministry, you have to submit. And every single time when I have submitted to you, it's always been for the glory of God and the good of his people. And so I just want to say that I appreciate you, your ministry. Um, You are, uh, you are a gift to the church that we belong to. You are a gift to the body of Christ as a whole. And um, if you ever need me to fight someone physically for you, I will be glad to do that. (laughs) I do have you on speed dial. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's awesome. So, um, all right. Andrea, what's your not for me this week? My not for me are gas prices right now. <laughs> I had to fill up today. I know this is so like, and I knew it was coming. I, the whole issue with the pipeline last week, and I knew even though we weren't, our area wasn't specifically affected by that pipeline, I knew it was coming. I knew gas prices were going to go up and I paid almost $3 a gallon today. And it just made me so mad (laughs) because I don't have a very, it just, I don't have a very big car and it just made me mad that Um, I had to pay so much. You do gasoline. Yeah. So I I drive a diesel. (laughs) I, It was it was a hundred dollars to fill up the other day. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. one hundred dollars. And I know that's just such 
so not a big deal, but also it just. But it it's is. your not for me. It's my not for me. I just am. I'm mad at gas prices. I, I remember when I was in high school and I was driving and I could put fifteen dollars in my car and it would last me. I don't know about six weeks. Yeah. Now, granted, I also lived in Hurley, Mississippi. I didn't drive a whole lot, yeah. but still, $15 filled up my car, and it would last me a long time. For sure. So, What about you, Dr. Marty? Not for me. The stock market. Oh, uh, <laughs> cryptocurrencies today on Black Bitcoin. Wednesday? No. Black Wednesday. Bro, it's I had it's money for just bad. a minute. <laughs> It was real bad. I was like, uh, like there was, there's this one, by the way, we're going to get weird into crypto real quick, but there was, there was one crypto that Julie was just like, we should buy into this. It was real early. Uh, I think we bought in at like 20 something cents and it was over, it was almost $3 and we were like, oh man, um, oh man, we, we should dump everything into this. This one's going to the moon yesterday we said that we didn't dump everything into it and we're glad that we didn't because man last night it was uh it was rough uh if you had extra money wednesday morning was the time to buy some some cryptos so yes i do have hope that it will it'll come back back. it'll come back yes yeah it's just hard to watch technology yes you have to be okay with volatility for sure um i almost made a very Bad joke. I'm backing away. <laughs> Someone asked me what for my, my not for me is. What? First so, of all, bad joke. Is my not for me? Yes. <laughs> um, What's your not for me, Seth? So my not for me, um, I'm going to get political real quick. Oh, good. Yeah, because we, we haven't pissed anybody off tonight. So um, my not for you me. You have. My not for me <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> federally subsidized unemployment. It's not for me. And I'm going to tell you why people are legit making more money staying home than they Mm. are going to work. And you, this is not, that's not okay. This it's hard in my industry to actually hire people to work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also hard in the food business, the restaurant business to hire people. And because of that, a place where I was supposed to have a great food trip, which was New Orleans, ended uh-huh. up being the worst food experience I've oh, ever had. No. Just consistently bad food and service. And we're like, what's going on? We got a new chef. The I mean, okay, a new chef. Why is the service so bad? We can't mm-hmm. get anybody to work. Why is there a six-hour wait for a table when I'm seeing empty tables? We've only got two servers for the whole restaurant. Nobody else wants to come in because they can make more money sitting at home than they are. So listen, it is a very selfish thing. I completely understand. But I'm just saying, like, uh, it, it's become a challenge and and services aren't being aren't being met because of that. So I don't know what the solution is. I'm just saying I wanted shrimp and grits and I couldn't get it. That's <laughs> I think... I I think that there is, and I know you didn't ask me, but this is what I think. I think there is some reform that needs to happen in the workforce. Yeah. I, I think that obviously they the minimum wage needs to go up some, and maybe this makes me a lefty, I don't know. But there are there is some reform that needs to happen, but then also federally subsidized unemployment is an issue right whatever now. snowflake i know um, i am i'm i'm very moderate I, I have a buddy of mine who got laid off from his job 
he was in Minnesota. He was making $1,600 a week. Um, yes, we just did the math. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all just did the math. Fantastic. Making $6,000 a month mm-hmm. for not working on unemployment. Yeah. So he was making seventy two grand. His wife got laid off. She also was able to get unemployment. They made up. What is that? One hundred and fourteen thousand dollars to not work. They took the entire summer and fall off, traveled around, did everything they wanted to. They said it was the best time of their lives. But best somebody paid for that. I, I kept mm-hmm. working. Yes. Yeah. My thanks. And who's going to pay for it? Uh, I think that uh, Carrie Job said it best. <laughs> And their children, and, and their, their children, children, and, and their, their children. children. Okay, um, from the yeah. all right, that's a show. That wasn't <sighs> too bad. We didn't, okay, we didn't make anybody too angry, um, other than our guest. And so, <laughs> and again, that was just you. <laughs> that was just me, and that was character Seth putting on. Maybe. So. Oh, 100%. Oh. Okay, we're going to fight you and me later. Uh, but listen, our thoughts and opinions are not the final word to listener. We would like to hear your thoughts and opinions on any of the topics that we had today. Yes, don't forget to like, follow, and comment on all the socials. We are at Dropping Sunday on all of the things. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're on Twitter. And as a reminder for every comment we do get on the socials, uh, we do give money to a local charity or ministry. Mm-hmm. Right now we're sending kids to youth camp i believe not my kids just no, just, just kids a, a kid who needs a it. kid yeah. yeah remember the greatest compliment that you could give us is to tell a friend to listen to this episode definitely tell a friend to listen to this episode and then to subscribe because we're going to be back again next week yes we will um i think i know what I, I think we might be closing out a trilogy i don't know <laughs> little little <laughs> we're behind so the curtain excited <laughs> and completely not but until that we will be back next week and until then this is seth This is Andrea. And this is Marty. And this is Dropping Sunday.